just went on like a little rant, man. About, and we kind of went about this offline about how technical difficulties at our day job just kind of trickle down and kind of bled all its way over here. Like with our phones not working, our internet not working. Shit. At this point, like our our, uh, our synchronization on the claps or on the recordings themselves didn't work. Well, it's very interesting because <laughs> usually when you when you clap your hands, it comes through the the headphones very clear, but it's very faint today. Like it's muffling that that sound for whatever because your voice sounds fine, but it, the clap sound is very muffled. Huh? Even that last one you did, but I was oh. really listening for it though. Ah, gotcha. So, like, kudos to Shoreline. Now, like, this is like well into his realm, and this is well into his expertise. And like, uh, at one point, he did try to explain this stuff to us, and I'm not gonna lie, he kind of lost me. <laughs> I was like, right on. I mean, eventually, I got it because it showed pictures and stuff. But you know, like when he when he started talking before the pictures came up, like, whoa, a bunch of zeros and ones <laughs> came across my my. uh my through my head and then i got the blue screen of death in my eyes error 404 right i get <laughs> i had like the xbox uh the red ring of death, death. yep <laughs> no please yeah. no <laughs> i gotta play halo no no no, no. <laughs> uh, so hopefully the rest of our internal failures have dissipated <laughs> at least to the point but this kind of brings up a very good topic that's near and dear to our day jobs right now. And that's um, ensuring compliance and adequacy, specifically using the tools such as audits and inspections. Ooh, audits and inspections. <laughs> and it sounds like it's the same thing. And for the Unversed, which was us uh, some years ago, it did sound like the same thing. And some of them, they do intermix or they're intermingle. Like sometimes people say audit. Sometimes people say surveillance. Or they say, um, oh, what? what's another one for audit and surveillance? They say like, um, like, um, well, besides inspection. There's all these different words and stuff. They all jumble together. And they almost do in fact mean the same thing. But they have their own set of scope. Yeah, I... I like to break it down as an inspection is kind of more of a small scale or a more narrowed focus, right? I'm inspecting, um, I'm inspecting these parts tags to ensure their accuracy, or I'm inspecting this technician to ensure that the steps that they're, they're doing in the TO, the maintenance manual are, they're following it, you know, as they're, as they're supposed to. Whereas an audit's a large yes. scale, right? You're you're looking over an entire process. So, whereas let's say, let's say for hydraulic sampling, okay, uh, uh, the inspection mm-hmm. is I'm I'm looking at the technician to ensure he's following the sampling procedures, uh, you know, in the maintenance manual accurately. But the audit is I'm looking at the whole process. Okay, I'm looking at him from. Okay, he has to go get the paperwork from here and then he has to do the job and then he has to fill out the paperwork for these specific standards. And then that that has to be sent that that gets archived and tracked not only in the main in the logbook, but also in this database. And then it has to get sent to this 
to the sampling center for processing and then they have to get the results back and those results are recorded. So you're looking at the whole thing, right? Not just one little section of it. Yes. And and even with audits, they have their own scale too. So like you have like a process audit, you have a shop audit, you have a system audit or even even more so an enterprise audit. Uh, Contract audit, right? That's something I've done recently. That's pretty big. Yes. And well, so again, it goes to scale, right? Like say a lot of people will get mixed up with what's a process audit, what's a shop audit. Same example as what MVP was saying, like, uh, let's picture like uh, you're you're auditing like a watch or a clock. A, a process audit would be, would be like, do the hands work? Do they tell time? Is it telling the right time? Right. And then you would have like, say, a system audit. Does the whole clock work? Right. Does it ring when it's supposed to? Does it do this as it's supposed to? Is it in compliance with whatever standard it's applying to? That's pretty much in a nutshell what the differences between the two are between an inspection and an audit. Now, how these are applied, it, it's pretty much the same across the board, whether it's aviation or healthcare or um, uh, another one is like uh, contracts or food even. It's relatively the same thing. You have an input, you have some controls, you have some uh, measures or the actual processes that you're supposed to be doing, and then you have an output. It's the same no matter how you slice it. And the, pro- the steps you would use and the tools you would use to ensure that the audit is going correctly or the process is going correctly, it's all relatively the same thing. And likewise, with an inspection itself, like uh, as an aircraft mechanic, you do inspections all the time. It's just some of them, they're so routine and they're so mundane almost that you just kind of have muscle memory to it. Like you almost don't think about it as you're doing it. Yeah. Well, I'll say an uh, example is exam- a corrosion inspection. You, you, you yes. don't really realize you're looking for corrosion because you're not, maybe you're just doing a post-flight inspection, but you're, you know, and that's not specifically a corrosion inspection, but obviously in the post-flight you're looking at everything. And if you see a, an area of concern, you're not going to be like, well, I see that, but I can't do anything right now because it's not the corrosion inspection. That's not due for another 150 hours, you know? Yeah. But since you saw it, you technically did inspect it because like every, like a pre-flight post-flight, you're in a sense doing a condition inspection. You're ensuring that the condition of the plane is worthy enough for flight. Now, we can we can have arguments and debates about what's considered the minimums for safety of flight, and there there are so many arguments I've had with people as far as what those are. And then, if I just meet the minimums, does that mean I can just go ahead and push it off and have it fly away? In a sense, yes, because that's what tolerances are for. But if it, but it's also got to depend on what's the condition of the plane and what is going to be doing in for the time it's flying. Like if it's near tolerances and it's only going to be like an hour long once around the airfield, fine. But if it's like within tolerant, if it's right at the limit for tolerance and it's going to do like a a cross state uh, transit, might not want to push that. Right. <laughs> and uh, like and that and that's in the sense of an inspection or like uh, the previous examples we're saying with hydraulic samples or corrosion inspections. 
It's just stuff that happens on the spot. You're checking to ensure that it's within limitations for a specific step. Right. That's, I think, the biggest part about the difference between inspections and audits. Now, you could also say an inspection is a process or a procedure to check uh, if a system or, or a step works. And an audit is a series of inspections to ensure a system or a process is compliant, if it is it's adequate, and it actually works. I think that's the biggest difference of them all. Right. We're confu- it, it, there's no gaps. There's no, no uh, areas that'll, you know, gotcha areas. Um, and, and to ensure, again, most of it is, is because they're, that process is written as a requirement into a contract somewhere, right? So you might say, why are we auditing this? This is ridiculous. Well, it is a statement of work, uh, a contract's uh, requirement. Yes. And since we're talking about contract requirements, uh, almost every entity or enterprise has some kind of contractual obligation to ensure that a system is working. And some of these, you know, they're spelled out. It's like a no kidding contract. Like we... Entity X tell you, Entity Y, that you will do these things and failure to do so can shut you down. Some of them are spelled out precisely like that. Like they have to sign off on it. They have some reviewers to kind of go over it to make sure there's no broad things that are misunderstanding or that can be easily misunderstood. And then they sign off on it. Then there's other ones like it's like, say, for restaurants. It, there's no specific contract that you sign specifically, but that doesn't mean like you're just going to provide trash food to people and just expect it to be okay. You know, you get health, right? Like the health department and stuff like that to come make sure that you're not providing bad stuff to people that are going to be ingesting this stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, yes, I guess there are some contracts that restaurants for, uh, in particular do sign. But again, that's uh, that's not my field, and I would assume they would do something of the sort whenever they do open up a restaurant, or or when they do provide some kind of service that there is going to be some kind of oversight either by a specific company entity or some uh, governing body that's going to be looking through this, and you're you're subject to inspection up to include X Y Z. If that makes any sort of sense, I hope I'm just yeah. Like, nah. and, and even and even the people those those entities, like what who who what six does for a living and what I do for a living, even we are audited. Yes, um, there's auditors to the auditors. You know what I mean? Yes, and usually that comes in the case of like either third party auditors or third party certifying bodies, or it can be internal. Usually when it's internal, that's kind of like the, hey, I'm saving you from the bullshit now. So when we do get our formal third-party certification audit, we're not going to get any surprise gotchas. Well, well, yeah, it's one of those like, you know, most people don't like quality assurance, right? Because they're, <laughs> we're, we're seen as police, we're seen as whatever. But what a lot of people don't realize is is because I'm doing this now and issuing you a corrective action or whatever else internally uh, is going to save. So, so there's no monetary hits, right? And this is where a lot of people get, they just see us as, as jerks, but, but by me issuing the ICAR or a corrective action or whatever you want to call it, um, there's no money hit. We've identified a problem. Let's get to fixing it. 
That way, when the customer inevitably comes through to do their, their, um, their, you know, supplier audit or, or contract audit or vendor audit or operate, whatever, whatever, whatever audit they're going to do, because there's a grip of them. But when they come through, the goal is, is that we have everything already resolved so they don't find anything. Or if they do find something, they say, hey, we got you here and we can raise our hand and say, no, you don't. We've already we've already self-identified that. Yes. Oh, or, okay, cool. You know, but yeah. but so with that, right? So getting back to the to the money thing, there's no monetary hit. And so what Six and I have said this several times, money drives everything, right? I know we all don't see it in certain positions and whatever else, but money drives everything. So by me issuing, excuse me, a corrective action, there's no money hit there. That's internal house internal. Hey, we, we found a problem. Let's fix it. If six comes and audits me and he has a finding, boom, that's award fees. That's monetary loss. Hey, we found these things and we issued you a level two. Okay. Well, a level two is a minimum of a $1 million loss, for example. Yep. Oh, shit. You know, like, ouch. Yes. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. And and having that significant of a money hit, you know, there's going to be a lot of heads turning. There's going to be a lot of finger pointing, a lot of heads rolling. You you name it. And this is this is just even in the aviation field. I can only imagine what it's like for something where like um, that's a li- just as strict but more visible. Like say the healthcare department. Like if you mix up pills. <laughs> Right, just how bad people would just like flip out on it, right? Because you won't immediately, you almost immediately realize those results, right? Like, so you right. give someone. Well, here's one. Of- here's one. Everybody can recognize and know the pain of IRS. Who? I mean, has anybody ever been audited by the IRS? You know, for your tax returns and everything else, because they do them at random. I've been audited, and I'll tell you, they go through everything. Everything they go through everything, so there has to be records of everything, and it's just a pain. And if they find that that even if it wasn't your fault, but they were shorted fifty dollars, that they they're going to get that fifty dollars, even though it's their fault. You know that it wasn't caught, that it was a clerical error the first time when you you did everything you were supposed to do per the paperwork you got, mm-hmm. but they getting that money back. So yes. so that's one you know we can ever we can all feel the pain of, and like six said, you know, the healthcare stuff, but people really get queasy and up in arms when, when finances come into play. Oh yes. Oh yes. And, and that's in a nutshell, what an audit is for, right? Well, yes and no. Cause uh, the whole reason of doing an audit is to ensure compliance and adequacy. Like, is it following a set standard? Like, and is it adequate enough to meet the standard? Like say you will have red socks and blue socks. It doesn't tell you how many. It just says you will have red and blue socks. So as long as you have it and they're and they're following the standard, then you're good. Right? That's that's kind of like the general scope of an audit. But obviously as you're digging, you start fight you start realizing like, well, is it compliant? Is it is it doing its job? It's it's is it is the process that goes into it, is it correct? That's when you start. That's the the second effect of what an audit does. And usually, when you start digging into processes and and stuff like that, it obviously entails money. And that's well. And so, key. so speaking of money, right from that aspect, you can say, okay, 
using your example six, you have to have red and blue socks. Okay, it doesn't say how many, but it just says you have to have them. Okay, well, we got two pairs of each, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, audit comes through, you know, your customer comes through and does an audit. Hey, you only have two pairs of each. Well, that, that's, you know, we're going to write that up. Well, why? Well, because you only have two pairs of red socks and two pairs of blue socks. The contract only states uh, you must have red and blue socks. Doesn't say how many. Yes, but we think you're missing the intent, right? The cus- customers like to do this one a lot. Yep. You're missing the intent. What's the intent? The, I, it says I have to have red and blue. I have them. Yeah, but we'd like it better if you had 10 pairs of each. Oh, okay. Well, these red and blue socks happen to be about five grand a piece. So we're going to go ahead and need you to uh, drop us some more money into our bank account. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you what you want. You just got to pay us for it. Oh, oh, okay. All right. And so, so that's another way if you're, you know, to, to grow your contract or grow your, your uh, pot of money. Um, yeah, you're, you look, you're, you're not wrong. But the customer has actually realized doing their own audit that they want more. Yes. Great. We'll do it for you. Just go ahead and sign that check. Right. <laughs> and uh, and let, let's relate this to and the aviation safety side of things, right? Like uh, you must have fire extinguishers. You must have fire bottles. You must have fire escape procedures. Yes, we have those. They're adequate and they're, they're compliant because they follow the standard. But then you would see like, well, it's adequate, it's compliant, but, you know, you still have a whole lot of fires. So what are you guys going to do to mitigate that? Like, good question. But that's not that's not within our parameters because the standard just says we must have fire extinguishers and whatever else. That's when you can't that's that's when it kind of boils down to the opportunities for improvement. Right. Like, okay, you see that you see that. You you're meeting the standard, but there's it's not wrong, but it could be improved upon. Yeah, must have uh, must have eye wash stations and fire extinguishers in each uh, you know each hangar bay. Okay, well I got one in each. Well, yeah, but I don't think one's enough to cut. Let's just say you have five aircraft in each in each hangar mm-hmm. hangar bay. Well, one's not enough to cover it. What if three of these things catch on fire? Uh, well, I can tell you, I'm going to be running the opposite direction. But <laughs> getting back to the getting back to what you're asking here, I have a fire bottle there. Yeah, but it's not enough, right? I'm not at fault though because I I, I have what is required. Now, the opportunity, as Six said, is to double up or provide uh, one eye wash station at each exit of the bay and um, one fire bottle per, per asset, you know, per aircraft. Okay. That's an opportunity area of opportunity. But again, Hey, we only have the budget to cover one per, per bay. We're going to need you to, we're going to need you to cut that check. Now, as an example, you brought up the fire and this just jogged my memory of a audit. We, so we got audited last week internally by a corporate auditing group right so this group they all they do is travel all over the world auditing various programs uh within the company um so they came to us and said hey you know 
we're gonna we're gonna write a uh, write you up for the uh, lack of you know emergency fire procedures and uh, an inadequate um, fire protection system. Why we have fire bottles for for each uh, you know each 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 asset and um, there's you know fire escape procedures mounted at each doorway and there's a whole you know training slide we go over. Yeah, but these this exit training that's posted on the doors is seems very dated and whatever else. So we're gonna write you up. Well, so you can't do that. See, we're in we're in uh, a customer owned building. This isn't a company owned building. We're in their house, so we we don't control that side of it. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, "Well, you need to get with the customer." No, I'm not. I'm not gonna. We're not going to do it. If they think it's fine, that's where it stands. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and, and then, and then also, uh, with, the, with the fire, you know, inadequate, we said we got, you know, the inadequate fire protection system. They said, well, you, it's not good enough. Well, we have one for every plant. Yeah. But your AFFF system for the, for the building is inoper- inoperable and has been for about four years. Oh my <laughs> God. Four years. That's a definite write up. Go ahead and write up the customer then, because this is their again. This is their facility, and they've uh, we've it's been brought up to them, and they said yeah, it's not a priority for them. <laughs> so if they're not concerned about their own ship burning down, I'm I'm running away from that building as fast as I can, because at least I'm going to save my. If they don't give a shit about their own stuff. They definitely don't care about me. So I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and and then uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because there's always as young mechanics, that's always a big growing pain, right? Like. Why can't they just follow this safely? Why can't they just provide us this? Or how come we don't have this and this other place does? It honestly just boils down to what's required by contract or what's required by their regulations. That's really it. Or location even, right? Yeah, yes. Because a lot, uh, and yes, a lot of it has to do with money, going back to the money thing. Sometimes we want to, we absolutely want to. We just don't have the budget to do so. Or it's just not, it's not fiscally in our in our capability yet. And that's I'd just love my- to work in a place that looks like Tony Stark's garage, but you know, yeah, the finances aren't there, friend. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to get one light bulb per office space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly that. And, and we've always done that as, as young mechanics, as young technicians, like, why don't we just have this? Or why can't we do this? Or why must we always do it like that? And like sometimes that that's, it's either because that's their way of, being in compliance, as as fucked up as that sounds, it's this is why a lot of places just don't fail. It's not because they're bribing the referee. It's because they're technically within the rules of what they're required to do. And they're able to, to just get by just enough with what they have already. And it's one of those things like, well, if you can make it work, why change it? That's kind of fucked up to say uh, as well. But that's kind of how it is. Yeah, but we all as maintainers know that if we can get the job done without the proper tools and equipment and get it done safely and on time, that becomes the new goal and standard. Why do you need this $500,000 piece of equipment? Well, because it would actually actually speed up the process by using these set of lasers and everything to line up uh, this hole pattern and blah, blah, blah as we're drilling out these panels. Yeah, but you made it work before. Well, yeah, because we had to. But now we know better, right? The opportunity. Yeah. And their opportunity says, my opportunity says to pocket that money and continue having doing what you're doing. 
Yes. America, <laughs> thanks you for your service. <laughs> That's exactly it, right? Because it, again, boils down to money. I mean, really, uh, this, that's really it. It really boils down to money and cost. Like, if you can get it done, if you can have it running in 20 minutes, <laughs> then, then we're good. But yeah. you want it. Uh, yeah. It, well, do you actually do you actually need the tug to move the plane? Well, it would be nice. I mean, it would sure would save my back. Well, how did you guys do before? Well, we got a whole bunch of us and we just pushed it around because that's what we had to do. Cool. Sounds like you can just continue on. Well, no, it'd be a lot safer and faster and easier and a lot less strain on the old body, if you know what I mean, to use a piece of machinery to move this around. <laughs> yeah, and as they pat you on the shoulder and and. Give the old double guns, you know, the old double finger guns. Like, whoa, Come whoa. on, yeah. Whoa, 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 safe. <laughs> you can't throw yeah. safe. <laughs> so what so what triggers all these things, right? Like what triggers an audit? What triggers an inspection? Besides money, <laughs> obviously. It it comes down to risk. It comes down to risk mm-hmm. and the and the likelihood. Well, three things. Risk, risk likelihood, and the consequences. Right. What's the risk? How likely is this going to happen? And what's the consequences if we ignore it? That's hands down what it's all about. And obviously the ones that's going to trend more towards death is going to get the most time and attention. And then you got the ones where they just like, eh, we can kind of it's it's bad, but it's not terrible. That's the kind of ones we can kind of MEL and just kind of kick it across the or kick it around the field until it really does turn into a problem. Those like those little ankle biter, low risk ones, like eh, we'll get to it when we get to it. And that kind of goes back to MVP's uh, illustration about the fire, the, the fire extinguishing systems. Like it's not adequate for the past four years. Like, well, if it's a low risk for them, why would they, why would they give it the time and attention? Versus yeah. Why am I going to save? Why am I going to save their, try to save their ass if they're not, concerned about it it goes back to that you can only help those who want to help themselves yes. and all you do is all you do is say hey we suggest this and then they respond and say big thanks but no thanks um and and then later down the road if god forbid but if the the worst happens and things burn down they go we didn't know this these were inadequate and, and we can go back to the four-year-old email and say it was inadequate back then. Check this. Oh yes. yeah, I guess we can't. I guess we can't hang you out to dry for our own, our own uh, poor, poor decision making. You know. <laughs> yes, and then uh, that's what triggers it. It could also be from complaints, like air quote customer complaints. Like you get bad food, you get the wrong set of pills. Uh, your the landing gear wheels fall off or, or trends, off. right? Yes, trends. Yes, that's that's it, how trends. a lot of the stuff that uh, my shop does. Like we have, we have an audit schedule, but we have all these additional ones we'll do because we'll notice a trend in, let's say, tool control. Man, yes. we keep having a high high number of lost tools over the last two weeks. What the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. Let's do a sidebar audit. Oh man, yeah, we found some definite flaws within the process, or we've just found negligence. Process is solid and people just aren't following it. Boom. Yes. Fix or, yourselves. 
or or also like say uh, it can be one of those pop up audits, right? Like you're inspecting something and you weren't expecting to find it. Like you, it wasn't even in your radar, and you just so happened to see it, like in the midst of an inspection. Like you're doing, you're just doing like a pre flight, just making sure everything's all buttoned up, like the panels are have their screws and everything's tight. And then you see like this this hanging part just chilling, like. It's not supposed to be like that. Like, okay, time out, right? That's what. Yeah, that's a it's a good point, six. Because you'd be walking around, you look at something, you go, "Wow, that's that's not right." Well, it doesn't look right, and you start looking at it, and you're like, "I've never noticed this before. Why is this like this?" So you just start Chinese blueprinting it against the other other birds, and you're like, "Oh, that's not supposed to be like that." Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and, or and then um, you start digging around and find out like. All sorts of things are not adding up and they're not supposed to be how they're actually are. Like, this is, yeah, this is not right. You know what? Let's see how far this rabbit hole goes. And then it initiates or triggers an inspection slash audit. It's the same things everyone on the on the floor, on, on the ramp experiences. Like, if you're just doing a routine tire check and you're just making sure the chocks are in place and the, the tires have air and that's it, then did you really do an inspection? But if you also see something wrong, you don't just be like, well... Not my problem because it's not my inspection to do. It's stupid, but it has happened. And we've seen some people who would do that or they'll just be like, I didn't see nothing. And they just walk off and they wait for this for the next shift to come through. And then they see that, yo, what the hell happened? (laughs) Like, I didn't see nothing. It wasn't me. So you guys must have done something about it. Like, what? No, (laughs) that's not how it works. Right. So I've even initiated an audit. Uh just off of lack of communication. Now you might say, wow, MVP, you're a real asshole. But no, uh, we might see, you know, as we're inspecting something, we might notice some anomaly and we're like, well, maybe it's supposed to be that way. I'm not the SME. I'm not the subject matter expert on this, on this system. So let me, let me get some answers. And you go around, you ask the mechs, techs, whoever, Hey, you guys dragging this? No, we've never seen that before ever. Okay, cool had to get here somehow or this had to get done somehow. So then you next step, like, Hey, engineering, is this supposed to be that way? Crickets. Hey, engineering, just following up. I'd like to, uh, I'd like to get some clarification on this. Cause the verbiage is real, real weak from what I could find. Uh, can you guys help me get some clarification on this? Crickets engineering. I'd really, I'd really like to get some resolution on this to provide an answer to the, to the group out here, uh, to know if we're in the right or wrong. I uh, would like that sooner than later. Crickets. Okay, fine. Uh, found this anomaly. You know, uh, can't find. Uh, there's no supporting data in the maintenance manuals or drawings to justify why this component's this way or configured this way. Um, issue the iCar or issue the car. You know, boom. Here you go. All right. Now, now, now you're gonna tell me. Oh my God. Well, it's and then they follow up. And then all of a sudden they respond to your email. Oh, it's this. Cool. Go ahead and put that in your in, in the iCar. Yeah. Well, no, I just in the email. No, no, no. That would have worked like two weeks ago when I first hit you up. It would even work the next five times on the follow up. Uh, but you didn't want to answer. So now I'm going to deep dive your shit and I'm going to make you fix it. Yes, exactly this. And uh, going with those or even with the risk management piece of it, it can be spot on to the standard or spot on to the whatever uh, criteria you're ensuring it is compliant to. But just because it's compliant does not mean that it's working, if that makes any sort of sense. 
right? I think we kind of hit that off a little bit earlier, but that's that's something uh, a mentor of mine me- uh, mentioned to me is like we're we're here to make sure that you are in compliance and it's working. We're not here to ensure certification, right? I, he said it a lot better than I did, but that's more or less saying like just because you're certified doesn't mean that it's working. It just means that you checked all the boxes of what is supposed to be needed. And then they gave you a pass and then you just went back to doing whatever it is you were doing, right? Just having an inspection or audit is not going to automatically tell you if there's any poor relationships between the floor and the management. It's not going to tell you if there's an excessive focus on just trying to be compliant. And it's not going to tell you if your inspection procedures or your processes are thorough or not. It just tells you like you you have X. It says you must have XYZ. You have XYZ. It tells you you must do ABC. You have ABC steps. Cool. Moving on. Yeah. Right. My guy, you mentioned certifications. Well, hey, I submitted the paperwork for my guy to do this job. So uh, he's certified to do it. Well, no, if you'll notice, Mr. Supervisor, I have not approved that special cert, nor has the program manager. But I submitted the paperwork. So I'm good to go. Well, I guess in the most basic sense, you are good to go in that you did what you needed to do for the initial steps. But just because you you filled out the paperwork doesn't doesn't auto auto give this guy a certification. Uh, we reviewed it and figured out that the justification you used, uh, you referenced these three uh, items out of the maintenance manual as, as justification for his OJT. Uh, but unfortunately, you said you he was engine run certified, but the the work um, the uh, job packages you gave me are ones for uh, fueling, ones for uh, replacing a tire, and ones for towing. I, I don't know how those relate to engine run certification. <laughs> well, we had to do all those things before we went out and ran it. Fantastic, well done on your maintenance. Uh, doesn't mean doesn't mean he's certified to run engines. You know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So just because you have it doesn't mean you're 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 golden and you get the you know the blessing from the Pope. Like there's still the intricacies of everything, hence the audit type, right? Yes. Okay. We have the audit. Or the inspection says, yeah, we have this. The audit goes, Oh, you're not doing everything you're supposed to be doing, though. You know? Yes. Absolutely. And it's funny you brought up the engine run stuff because I've seen it time and again. And we're we're talking about certification as in the person being physically uh, authorized to do the work. There's also times too where you and I have seen it where the person's authorized to do the work, the person did the work, but they didn't sign it off, right? So, and and then they try to argue it, like whoever the shift supervisors, whoever the shop chief is like, well, we did the engine run. Cool. I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm proud of you. But where's your evidence? What? tells me that you did it besides you physically telling it to my face. I can tell you that the sky is green. I can tell you that I have a talking robot for a car in my garage. Whether it's true or not, that's a different story, but I'm telling you it. So that's the yeah, same. It goes back to the trust but verify, right? Yes. And that's and- how you have to you have to that's how you have to operate when you're performing these inspections or audits. Hey man, uh, hey man, I found this is a fail. No, no, no I, I have that. We're we're covered. Cool. Can you show me? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I'll give it to you tomorrow. Nah, you ain't gonna try to come up with some bullshit last minute. 
no, no, no. I've, I've been around the block. Uh, you either show it to me within the next five minutes, we walk to your desk and you show me hard evidence or it's, it's a definitive fail. Yes. Okay. It's, I guess, I guess just right up the fail. Thanks. Yeah. About, <laughs> about that. Or, uh, uh, since you and I have had uh, experiences with audits and inspections, and I'm sure a couple of technicians, they're trending in that direction to become uh, inspect- inspection authority or even uh, system auditors for their company or organization, where you're doing an audit or an inspection. You caught, you caught the person. You, I mean, I'm not, we're, our job is not to have the I got you moments, but so it happens, right? You, you, you find a person lacking and their excuse to say why it's lacking is because of some other issue, right? Oh, if uh, I just got this turnover from the last person or I, it's, it's the damn organization not giving, a, giving us enough money or it's those damn guys on the floor striking or some shit like that. You know what I mean? Like some other random excuse or some other random rant besides of what the issue is, which is this is in your scope of custody and you let it go to the wayside. It could be something small, like, oh, you forgot to sign your name on the release for flight or return to service uh, paperwork. It could be something as huge as like, you did not create a corrective action containment plan for when an issue or an incident happens. If you don't have those, like, how do you respond? No one's going to know what the hell to do. And people could possibly get hurt. Ah, uh, well, you know, yep. like the, the last guy just said, like, just pull the red lever and everything will be fine. Like, no, that's not how it freaking works. And you can't just be nonchalant with a one-page emergency plan. <laughs> no, we'll just write up a work instruction. I, I don't think so. Like no. it's, It has to be, this is going to be a pretty drawn-out process. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of loose ends you got to tie up here and provide explanations. Well, whose responsibility is to do what during an emergency? Yeah. Oh, well, they'll, they'll make phone calls to people. Ooh. Who? Who? Who <laughs> and then and then okay oh they're supposed to call people where's the list of all the numbers are you yeah. telling me that guy in there's got every number for for fifty people memorized in his head oh I don't think so <laughs> um okay well okay so he notifies people uh what do those people do well nothing they're just they just get notified cool so who's starting the impoundment process. Uh well whatever the impoundment docs is yeah but you don't reference that in here what if this person's new here and doesn't know there's an impound because they don't actually deal with the the AV their whole goal is just to just to be they're the emergency notification person like that's the only thing they do is they oh we got a problem and they press the red alarm button I, I you know there's a whole bunch of stuff to it now one thing audits don't account for um especially when you're going through risk management and things like that. But one thing audits uh, won't account for is poor management, employee relationships, um, an excessive focus on being compliant and inspection procedures that are not thorough enough. Yes. And we, we've illustrated uh, a lot of these examples like earlier on and that and that boils it down right there. Like it's not going to say, what it's uh like how good or how good it isn't it's just gonna say like does it have it or does it not that's that's really it and uh that's where the inspection comes in where it get a little bit more detailed into the mix like well does it work is it doing what it's supposed to do and what would you do in case of this or what or what's the next step right and 
everyone and every anyone and everyone on the line or whatever uh, organization you're with, you are the first inspector. Holy God, dude! I just came full circle right now. I remember being told. Yeah, this. but let me put this <laughs> as the inspector. Just because your job doesn't have inspector in the title doesn't mean you're an inspector. And this is one thing that I am working through right now within my own program and trying to get across. And I even developed a whole preventative action plan for this, but is, Hey, don't wait for me to come and tell you that you're wrong and that you need stuff to fix. Nobody knows your work center better than you and what you do better than you. You know where the shortcomings, so you don't have to wait till I find them to tell you to fix them. You can fix them on your own ahead of time. Yes. But what a novel concept. But I mean, like that's just because your job title has mechanic or technician, whatever in it, doesn't mean you're not an inspector. You can inspect your own guys. Walk up. Hey, man, what are you doing? If, especially if you're a lead or a senior. What are you doing? I'm doing this. Well, well, where's your, where's your maintenance manual? Ah, oh, I've done this job a hundred times. Yeah, I don't give a shit. Where's your maintenance manual? Or walk up and say, hey, hey, man, um, can, I, can I just check in on you while you do this servicing procedure? Yeah, okay, why? What's up? I just want to make sure. Let's go through it together. But approach from this, let's go through it together and make sure we're not missing anything. Oh, we go through, do, do, do. Oh, it doesn't say... It doesn't say, um, you know, clear the hangar prior to fueling or clear the area of 50 feet prior to fueling operations or something. Well, that's a problem. We should probably get that incorporated in the maintenance manual. Otherwise, how are we, we going to ensure that Joe Blow over here is not smoking a cigarette while we're, while we're pumping low lead or something, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, just got it. You got to take it. You got You got everybody can be an inspector, whether your official job is an inspector or not. Yes. And I think that's one of the hardest thing, too, is sure. to to correct a peer. Right. And I don't know what it is like uh, you, if it's fear or if it's just like you don't want to break that peer to peer trust or something like that. But it's it's better to be the one to to buddy check somebody. Than to be the one where like you could have done something and then now that person is like saying like, what the hell, dude, you're supposed to have my back or why didn't you tell me before I freaking send this thing uh, at full pressure and then I fuck something up? Oh, uh, shit. Well, um, shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. And then if you identify as you're going through stuff and you actually find flaws, but you're unsure of what the next step is from there, go hit up your audit team. Go hit up your, your quality control. Hey man, we found this issue. Can you guys help us? Like, we're not sure what to do and how to get this fixed. Fantastic. Sit down and let me spin ye a tail. You know? <laughs> yes. And 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 they'll help you. We'll help you. At least yes. my department, man. We're 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 uh we try to be more uh risk-based approach and um and uh teachable rather than you know black hat or white hat or whatever. Yes. And that's like the ultimate step for any technician, really, is that you're, yes, you start on the floor as the technician, as a air quote wrench. But as you gain knowledge, as you gain experience, it's, it's going to slowly become natural for you to want to ensure quality from every step of the way. And you eventually trickle your way upwards where you're the one controlling these processes. You're the one influencing these processes. Hey, sometimes you might even be the owner of said process, right? And 
the only way to ensure that it works from the 3,000 to the 30,000 foot level of point of view is to ensure that you understand what it's like to be at the ground level. But if there's no communication in any of those pieces from the people doing the work to the one inspecting the work, then you're just going to make the same mistakes over and over and over again. And here we are, the young technicians or the senior technicians who are just grumbling and bitching about why nothing changes. Well, there's your answer (laughs) because there's no... yeah, there's no communication between what the inspection sees and what the guys on the floor see, and there's no um, uh, bridge to to communicate those problems or for people to fully translate those problems. Because that's another thing that we've seen too, where like when the inspector say something, they say it in their very eloquent inspector language, and it doesn't process correctly to the technicians on the floor. They just say like, "Oh, here comes quality assurance," or "Here comes the inspectors again." Just here to talk shit and tell, much hum- tell us how much we suck. But in reality, what they're trying to say is like, hey, this is a gap. There may- there's an opportunity here for us to fix it. Let's fix it together. Or here's an initiative that we're trying to work out to ensure that it works. Can you help us through and figure out what the inputs and outputs can be? Oh my God. <laughs> that's- yeah. That, that, that's- that was my rant on that because I... As you, as MVP was saying earlier, and continue saying throughout the episode, like we as quality assurance, or we as the inspection or auditing team, we're just seen as the enemy. We're just the white hatted or black hatted people who are just there to steal your job and take your money. Like, yeah, but what you don't see is that, and that's what most people don't see, and it's not your job to see, right? That's that's not at your level. That's not your concern. Your job is to ensure that that bird gets off the ground when it's supposed to. In order to meet flight schedules, mission requirements, whatever whatever you're operating in, yes. Um, but just know that you know by by doing these audit inspections, we're ensuring that we we retain all the money we've been afforded for contracts, and that those contracts keep getting renewed. Yes. Because I've been on programs where they continue to fail over and over again, to where the customer has just washed their hands. You know what? Scrap it. We've lost so much money on this. It's non-recoverable. Scrap it. Move on. Let's go figure out the next project, you know? Yes. Um, so that's not what, you know, a lot of people don't see that. That's why I harp on it here so much. And I try to harp on it as work as much as I can. And I don't do that again. So people are like, oh, money, this money, that. No, but like, but, but money again is what makes the world go around. Money is what pays your, your, your wages every two weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. None of us like to go to work, but we all need a job yes. and we'd like that job to continue. And if we don't ensure we're compliant with the customer's requirements, we ain't got a job. So, so I was actually just having a conversation with one of our environmental health and safety uh, persons today, you know, and we're talking about, cause we have an audit upcoming actually um, by our customer. First one ever for the program. So we were talking about that today, but, you know, we're trying to tell everybody, stay on top of your stuff, make sure we're just squared away, like over these next few weeks, like really go above and beyond what you, what you need to do. And, and to the, to the crew's credits, uh, they have, they have stepped up their game um, more than I've ever seen, which is, which is cool. But, but he, he, uh, the Esh guy, he had a, he had a saying today and he goes, you know, your job is to work me out of a job. And I was thinking about that and I said, well, yeah, it's exactly right. You, you need to be so good that I'm no longer needed. So 
my job, six is the customer, right? And I work for company B. Uh, six comes and says, hey, MVP, we're going to we're going to do an audit on you. Oh, OK. My whole goal every day is to stay ahead of him. So he never finds anything. So every time he comes and does a quarterly audit or whatever, he goes, well, once again, MVP, uh, it was a 100% pass rate. Well done, blah, 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 this and that. He doesn't see the little fires that all of us at all levels put out every day in company B to ensure we get that passing rate. But once we get that passing 100%, we're like, okay, all worth it. You know, like it was a headache, but we got through it and it was worth it. Yes. So my job is to stay ahead of him and then everybody else on the floor and whatever else, your job is to stay ahead of me. Work me out of a job. Make it to the point where I walk around when I'm doing my audits and inspections and go, damn, you guys, yet again, 100% pass rates. So, and I hope one day, it'll never happen because it's always required for contracts, but hope one day they go, hey, MVP, we don't need you no more, man. The program's solid. Fair yeah. enough. Send me over to the next one that's not, right? And we'll we'll get that one to this level type thing. Yes. Um, but that that's the goal, right? It's a it's a pipe dream for sure. Uh, because we all know just by by being maintainers and doing what we do every day and just just general operations, uh, you're gonna run into issues. You can't avoid it. It's just the way it is. Doesn't matter what industry you're in. Um but that's the goal. To get yes. those, to keep those uh, failure rates and issues to uh, on the risk. If you look at the, uh, you know, your your graph for a risk chart, uh, keep it all in the yellow or green. Yes, and, and if I, you can do that, great. If all your risks are yellow or green, meaning hey, even if it happens, it's really not detrimental. That means you've got all the detrimental stuff covered. Fantastic. Yes. And I'd just like to illustrate that or highlight that as well. Like, you're never going to fully eliminate a risk, depending, uh, depending on the severity. It's, you're never going to fully eliminate it, but you can control it or you can mitigate it. And that's more or less, as MVP was alluding to, is what the inspections and audits are for. Is so you can dig deeper and figure out what sort of ways we can mitigate these better. Or what sort of ways we can keep these from happening more often. Or to to have zero findings. That's the ultimate goal of it all. It's probably never going to happen. But if we can control it to a, a, mid, a manageable uh, setting, then we're gold. It may be, sure, it may be yellow, but yellow may not necessarily be bad. It, it, it's yellow now, but it used to be black, right? Or it used to be so red right, black, yeah. right? Like your, your consequences are either it kind of works or you're dead. And it's like, well, uh, I'll take the kind of works, right? But that's the best control we can give so far that's just how it is and that's how some scenarios are where like there's no way i can eliminate the risk of damage but i can limit to how often it happens and that's the whole yeah. purpose and that's the sole purpose so, of these inspections and audits is like how how can how manageable can we make this and how we can we do this in such a way where everybody contributes to the to make sure that it happens the least amount of times possible Right, and that goes back into prevention methods of which I was talking about earlier. Yes. You know, uh, um, like I said, nobody knows your work center better than you. If you're out there and you got a mule and it randomly jumps from 3,000 PSI to 6,000 PSI and you can't figure out why um, and, and you're, you know, and you're going, hey, we got a problem with this mule and you keep red tagging it and they keep 
saying it's serviceable and back and forth and nobody wants to spend the money on a new mule or to get this one fixed the right way, put that risk up. Hey, if we keep servicing, you know, this, these aircraft with this mule, we're, we're on the risk of overpressurizing the high, the hydraulic systems. And we're going to have to pay out of pocket to replace these customers, hydro, hydraulic systems. And that's going to equate to $14 million, you know, uh, out of company pocket. Um, you know, so let's spend the, let's spend $10,000 now on a new mule rather than 14 million later. So that's another thing to think about when you're going through these risks or when you're presenting a risk, it greatly helps getting back to the money aspect of this, right? I told you money drives everything. Yes. You need to, it, it's a great help if you can put a dollar amount to these risks. Hey, if we don't do this by then, you know, this will happen. And if this happens, it's going to cost this much. Doesn't have to be, doesn't even have to be an accurate number. It can be a rough estimate. You know that hydro system on a G4 cost, I'm just going to say, let's just say, you know, $40,000 or whatever. Okay, well, we've got 10 of those. Hmm, you know, that's going to add up quick. And that's just the G4s we got, not not including everything else in the fleet. So, so it helps to put a dollar amount to it, just rough estimate it. And then you know, also, like I said, with the mule, hey, if you know it's $10,000 to get it fixed or, or or a new one, put that in there too, because the people making these decisions aren't at your level. They, they are, they're money people, right? They're corporate, they're upper echelons. All they see are dollar signs. They don't see the day-to-day grind you go through killing yourselves to keep making that company money they see overall dollar amounts. So when somebody comes through and says, well, you know, the mule works, but it's like intermittent hit or miss. You never know when it's going to do it. And they're going, yeah, okay, well, we haven't had an issue yet. So it must not be super severe until it does happen. And then it's super severe, right? But that's how those decisions are made. So if you put it in and go, hey, look, we can spend 10 grand now. We're going to run the risk of spending 14 mil out of pocket later. Oof. let's go ahead and cut that check for 10,000. Right. Let's get you, go ahead and get you that new mule. Yeah. And I'll, and I'll use the example of, I, I think I've told you guys in this, in these episodes before about a tug we had, but the vice grips, Yes. <laughs> you know, for the throttle game, I said, if we don't get this thing repaired properly or replaced with a better one, which is preferred and it can, doesn't have to be brand new. It can be a, a used model. Um, you know, we're going to run the risk of damaging this air, aircraft while moving it. And we're going to be out, X amount of, of thousands of dollars in parts and labor. Um, whereas we've gone over here and priced out this used tug uh, that's only a year old or two years old at $15,000. So tell me what you want to do. Vice grips and risk it? Or go ahead and get us a new piece of equipment and be, let's be safe about it and smart. <laughs> It took a little gonna, bit of poking and prodding, but I'll tell you, here's, it's, like a, it's like a stop sign at an intersection, right? And then you don't get one until somebody gets hit. Um, and unfortunately, this was a similar situation where the thing lurched forward because the throttle cable and everything with the vice grips, it got stuck and then it jammed and you couldn't, then you couldn't get the throttle to, 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 to loosen, essentially, and basically go back to idle. So it was not out of control. So you had to slam on the brakes and pull the e-brake to stop but that abrupt stop sheared 
the tow bar shear pins, which is what it's designed to do. But then it was such a, a jerking motion that the air, you know, the aircraft damaged landing gear components and it rolled even forward and smacked the back of the tug. So you had to do minor repairs to the nose after that. <laughs> so it was one of those like totally avoidable. If we could have just had a tug that doesn't have vice grips to operate the throttle. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> it's like, do you want it fixed or do you want it running? Right. <laughs> Going back to that yeah. joke. <laughs> well, I'd well, like it fixed and safe. Well, now wait a minute. Oh, safe. It's <laughs> 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 like, well, I can have it fixed for about $15,000 and it'd probably take about three months or I can get it running for about $20, which is like a pair of vice grips and, uh, and some ingenuity. Like, what? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, well, but those well, are things to think about. Um, you know, uh, I'm trying to transition my my group to risk base. Uh, long way to go. Risk is not an easy program to understand. I am no. still uh, a novice at it myself. But if any of you guys, you know, or listeners out there are interested in, in learning about risk a little bit more, uh, hit us up and, and I'll try to figure out a way to get mm, what I have is risk training. Um, Somehow I'll have to go through it and make sure, you know, no proprietary things are in there, but try to get a very base model. And maybe we can give that out to you guys on uh, Patreon or, or, you know, whatever, whatever, the, whatever the format is or, 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 or email it to you or something. And maybe we can do one of these. Um, oh, what the hell is that thing called? That platform six. Um, uh, Discord. Discord. Yeah. And get on Discord. Maybe we can have like an impromptu. Uh, Class. Training session, right? We'll, we'll yeah. present the slides and we'll, we can talk about it and do a little risk training for, for anybody who's interested in learning. Absolutely. Um, if we get enough people showing interest, I'll, I'll invest some time in trying to get uh, uh, a, a good set of risk training, um, you know, available for us to uh, go through. I'll just have to, again, go through what I have and make sure no proprietary things are in there. But um, yeah, and we can go through it and we can show you how risk is done and you can start implementing it within your own areas of operation. Cause you know, um, most companies, uh, large companies, definitely it's a requirement to have a risk, uh, a risk program, but a lot of your smaller mom and pop places probably don't, but it probably could really benefit them and oh, yes. keep them. It, it could almost make or break. Right. Yes. Uh, a mom and pop place. So, um, yeah, for those of you, if you work at a smaller place, ask around, do, do some inquiry and say, Hey, do we have a risk program? And you can even look through your, you know, your database or whatever. Um, and if you don't, Hey, uh, hit, hit us up and we'll try to help you build something. I can even, uh, I can even, uh, again, probably get a format, non-proprietary format, uh, of what I use for, uh, our risk, uh, system our risk and opportunity management system and yes. uh, get that to you guys and you can Im implement it in your own, uh, you know, AOs. Yes. Or that, or like, if you also want us to kind of help you in creating your own checklist for process improvements, process audits, uh, risk management assessments, all the things of that nature. This is stuff we are extremely versed at. This is the stuff that we're getting more and more knowledge on because this is a continuously evolving uh, field. And if there's, if there's anything that you guys like would like us to help share you with, to help you build or teach you on, that's what we're here for. We're not just, we're not just also here to like kind of joke around and talk shit about our leadership, but 
uh, what we also do is we've already learned the hard lessons. Our goal is to make sure that you guys don't do the same thing. So uh, if you guys are kind of struggling or you want to learn a little bit more, please hit us up. Whichever avenue is easiest for you, whether it be social media, whether it be our emails, our website, uh, our Patreon, by all means, like, we're always available. We can get something to you in some way or fashion, or we can help you learn how to make it yourself. That's I think that's probably like the biggest, most beneficial thing is like not only giving you a, an example, but also teaching you how to make it yourself, right? So you know what to ask or how to ask and what things that um, you should be governing yourself to, or at least giving yourself more awareness of. By all means, tell us uh, what, what would you like us to do? If you have any ideas or you'd like to learn more, uh, again, like hit us up on whichever avenue is easiest to you. And if there's any other topics on the show uh, you guys would like us to talk about on the show, or if there's any other ideas that you want us to expand on that we've already touched on in previous episodes, again, let us know. We're always available for this. We're always in some way, shape, or form reachable for things of this nature, especially when it comes to passing down information or passing down knowledge. That's what, probably one of our biggest. Yeah, yeah I, I'll say it. Uh, I say it all the time at work, but communication is is critical um, to success. I mean, if you have the world could be falling apart around you at your company or whatever else, but you in your own shop could be could It might not even you might not even notice it if you have good communication internal, right? You might not even notice the 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 thing crumbling around you. Um, I, I you know I like to think my shop has pretty good communication. I want it to be to where if I have to go if I'm out of work for whatever reason, like I we all got went home today and I don't come back for six months because of God forbid, but I have a stroke tonight or something. You know, I want that shop to not miss a beat. They yes. just walk in tomorrow and go, dang, that sucks about MVP and carry on about their day and nothing misses a beat. So same thing here, right? We're not just limiting that communication to our own work environments, nor should you, I mean, hit us up. Um, but we would love to, uh, uh, give you guys as much knowledge and information as we can. So you're, you're even more successful in your own, uh, places of business. Absolutely. Once again, we're always available for that. And feel free, please, to hit us up or join us on, uh, join, subscribe to our Patreon, join us on Discord. We have all sorts of conversations exactly like this and much more. I mean, I, I got nothing else to say, man. Like, that that was so pr uh, profound and in-depth. Like, <laughs> like, again, if you guys have anything for us or you want or you'd like to learn more, just hit us up. And on that note, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we'll see you guys again next time. Bye, everybody. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Caleb Stockhill, Jenny Dignan, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks such as access to our private Discord, discounts on and early access to merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. Visit our shop at cancelformainness.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have suggestions for the show or have a guest recommendation to be on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at our website and do, we will do what we can to get your ideas and or your recommendations on the show.
You can also follow us on social media, such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, Twitter at CXMX Podcast, and now you can catch us on Tapas, where you can view our latest comics. Check out our affiliate, RockwellTime.com, for watches and eyewear that support both your sporty and classy lifestyles. Use the code CX4MX, that's the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total purchase. Thank you all again for your listenership and support, and we will see you all next time.